hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. The Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, it's called like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right right back. He's not that Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. Bashir staggered by a big left hand. On a penalty shot. Score! Blue guard down the wing. Blue guard pulls away. Score! Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! This should be good. This should be very good. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 47 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Today is our first interview we have since the pod came back, and that is with one Mr. Rob Volterra. I had a lot of fun sitting down with Rob and interviewing him, uh, talking about the old WHL days and um, the old U-Haul League and the Central League and what it was like fighting animals out in the AHL. So it was a lot of fun stuff, and um, he fought some tough, tough fucking customers. A lot, a lot of former guests, actually, um, that he either played with or fought against um, on the show. So that was pretty cool to kind of go over and you know see what it was like fighting those guys. So I had a lot of fun interviewing him. I had to apologize. It was a long time coming with Rob Volterra because um, initially, before the pod shut down for a little bit, um, he was who I was supposed to interview. So... I had him lined up, and then the two times we had scheduled, just something didn't work out, and then I felt bad because last Friday, well, I, I blame the wife on this part because it was my birthday weekend, so she had planned for everybody to come by, and everybody was supposed to come by Saturday morning, which was fine, and then next thing I know, oh yeah, no, some, some of them are going to come Friday night, I was like, motherfuck, so I had to reschedule it for Monday, so that's why this episode's a little bit late getting out, and Rob is, of course, on Pacific Time out there in B.C., so the time difference from Florida to BC is quite different. So it was running a little late on Monday. Um, so I decided I was, I, I was initially going to release it Tuesday, but then once we, once we got done, I was looking down. I was like, ah, oh, shit, I got work in the morning, so I'll release it on Thursday. So um, you know, if you listen to the show, you know most of the time I do release on Tuesdays. But chances are, if it's you know that's kind of my secondary date or my secondary day, I try to release stuff on is a Thursday. Um, I try to release it in between other people's shows, so there's kind of like constantly content, you know, going out throughout the week, so I know a lot of the times it's um, Joe and Darren who release on Sunday, so that's why I try to release on Tuesday, Um, or excuse me, I think it's Darren who releases Sunday, and then Joe releases Monday, so I try to do Tuesday, so everybody's got content for the week, and then Wednesday, Darren goes again, so that's why Thursday I try to go, so every... I mean, we're all we're all getting you know separate days in, so people can listen to it during commutes on the on their way to work or whatever. Um, that's why I try to release it at like four in the morning on um, whatever day, either Tuesday or Thursday, um, on Eastern Standard Time. So 
But no, nonetheless, I'm glad I was able to finally get the first interview done. I apologize if it's uh, a little rocky. It's my first time doing an interview since February, so we'll see how it goes, and hopefully, um, you know, you guys enjoy it. And I know you will. You'll enjoy Rob Volterra's stuff. My part, you know, who knows? But um, no, it was a lot of fun, and he tells some great stories of uh, you know fighting guys and um, you know what it was like playing out there, and even you know. Gotta love minor pro hockey, uh, going on strike on teams because they, they refuse to pay him. So you'll you'll get you'll get the whole whole nine yards here in the interview, and it was a lot of fun. And um, I actually play, you know, he said he'd be more than happy to come on again. And I mean, we go for two hours, we cover pretty much his entire career, um, and. I'd love to get him on like a live show and do a live show with a player if I can. And I think the easiest way to do that's going to be through Zoom um, to go live on Facebook like I did on the last episode where it's me just kind of talking. But I'd actually love to do a live interview so we could have folks ask questions um, as the interview is going on. And it'd be very interactive with fans. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun. So I'm, I'm definitely looking into that. I got to get a higher quality camera as well. I know, you know, people probably don't you know, want to see my ugly mug, but um the camera quality can be big and it looks really shitty with whatever the standard camera is that comes on the laptop. Um, the frame rate is just super low. It look like, it looks like the old, um, I don't know if anybody remembers like the old AOL, like webcams or whatever back when dial up was still a thing. So if, if anybody's younger out there, listen, they're probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, but <laughs> no, so I, I'd like to get a different camera and hopefully uh, have a little bit better quality of a show for whenever I decide to go live in the group. Um, but uh, I will say one thing, and I, me and Rob Volterra talk about it in here, and it's this this lovely drop your gloves go fund me that we were talking about that me, Darren, Joe, Steve, everybody preaches time and time again, and another thing that's uh, selfishly as me, Darren, and Joe say it really helps out our shows. So selfishly it does, but Rob mentions it in here on how he wishes that site was still around. Because he could go through, his, he has an age gap with his brother. It was about six years, I think he said. And so the he, he, the, the age difference was so much at, at one point with when like when he was playing that he, his brother kind of never got to see it. So he wanted to go through his fight card. Well, his fight card is very, very minimal on HockeyFights.com. He has like one year in the AHL where a good majority of his fight card is on there. But everything else is really, really like it, it's dwindled. So, and I mean, the footage isn't out there, but drop your gloves. I bet would have had a whole lot more of his fight card, especially from his U-Haul playing days. Um, so please, I will include it in the description as usual, the GoFundMe for the brand new drop your gloves site that we're trying to get going here. It's organized by Steve from when Probert was king.com. Um, as we all know, if you listen to the show, you, I'm sure you visited drop your gloves. We're trying to get it back up. So hopefully we can make it happen. It's a lofty goal of ten grand, but we're over halfway there now, and it's taken a little bit longer than you know we would have liked to. So please, I posted almost every, probably every other day in the Damn Enforcer group. We're you know twelve thousand five hundred members or whatever it is, and if everybody just donated a fucking dollar, we'd be there by now. But no, here we are, and there's we're we're at the point where you know you see it suffer with players because players want to see their fight card, but they can't, and so. Like I said, selfishly, it helps me with interviews, but more so for the players is what it, the real big thing is because you get a guy who played out in the U-Haul, well, you're not going to find his fight card on hockey fights because they're too busy posting fucking cat videos and taking down their goddamn um, 
forms and everything. So all the history of even on that site is erased because apparently fucking cat videos are the thing. So I can't stand that fucking site either. It's terrible. Um, so please, please donate, whether it's a dollar, 20 bucks, doesn't matter. Please donate and we can help get a better fight database going again and preserve a little piece of hockey history here. Um, so I'll, I'll put the link in the description like I, like I did last time, and hopefully that will get people to donate. Um, please do it. It really helps out not only me, but the former players who actually whose fight cards you're actually looking at. It you know They want to see it too, so that's the biggest thing. Um, and I'll get the quick plugins of the usual suspects of uh, my friends in the podcasting world. So please go check out Darren over at the Fourth Line Voice. He just released part two with uh, Colt King this week, and he's the original Enforcer podcast. He's the one that kind of started this whole train. Um, and I mean, his his back catalog is tremendous. He's got uh, Joey Tedarenko, John Marasty, Steve McIntyre, Josh Mazer, uh, Chris Waltz, Dan Kopech. The list goes on. He's had some awesome guests. Um, so please, please go check that out and he's check out his YouTube channel as well. And I think we just wrapped up the Bob Probert Invitational. I think it ended either this morning or last night. And Dave Brown is the champion of the Bob Probert Invitational. And I think he said his minor league mayhem tournament is going to be available in August. So definitely looking forward to that. If you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, it's a 64 man fight tournament. That's like a March Madness style bracket. It gets voted on by fans on Twitter, um, so if you're unhappy with someone who got voted on, well, then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe go on Twitter and you should have voted, I guess, right? <laughs> um, so he does an NHL one with such the Bob Probert Invitational. Obviously, it's named after Probert because if you put Probert in it, he'd win it every year, right? So um, definitely check it out because the Minor League Mayhem Tournament is coming up, and that is when it's going to be all minor league guys. So that's where you get guys like your your – Joel Terrio, Mel Engelstad, John Morasti, guys like that. Um, so I think that'll be a whole lot of fun. The minor league one is what I, I, I enjoy the most because, you know, I'm partial to the minor league guys. So um, definitely check that out. It's over at Fourth Line Voice. You can find them on Facebook. Um, you got to type it out regularly, uh, excuse me, regularly though, um, because there's no numbers allowed in names on Facebook. So just type out fourth line voice, you'll find them. It's like the the hockey fight in Canada logo and it's got the you know the the punch going through the um like at the maple leaf, I think. Um and the next one of course is Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. Joe does a great job. He interviews exclusively guys who are in the um, Islanders system, whether it's the farm club, so whether it's the East Coast team, AHL team, or the big club. He's had guys like Aaron Asham on, Eric Bolton. So he just had, actually, he had a really interesting one. I'm actually really happy he came out with this. And I'm the same, I'm kind of in the same boat as Joe. So he interviewed a guy named Nolan Clayton, who I did not know. But he is actually a goalie that uh, gets pretty, pretty feisty in the, uh, see, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, NLL. The National Lacrosse League, I think that's what that stands for. Um, but it's a lacrosse goalie, and he's in the uh, it's the team called the New York Riptide. I haven't gotten through the full interview, but I'm very interested in it because I've always been interested in lacrosse. I actually tried to play it growing up, but down in Florida, lacrosse was just not popular at all. So um, it was very hard to find a league. But I think it's a very cool interview, and I've always wanted to get into lacrosse. And I'm going to have to have old Chris Banity uh sit down and teach, school me some knowledge on lacrosse because I know he used to play it back in the day and he's still a huge lacrosse fan. So um, I'll have to have him explain rules to me one day or something like that. But I think that'll be a lot of fun um, getting into lacrosse. But Joe mentions how he wanted to get in lacrosse and he has this guy who's, you know, uh, a, a gritty a gritty goalie of all things. Um, 
calls him the Billy, what do you say, the Billy Smith of <laughs> lacrosse goalies. Um, so definitely check out Joe's show. He's got a great back catalog, again, of a bunch of different players uh, who played in the Islanders team. So um, anyways, we'll get going here. I'll just quick, give the quick plugins for my, uh, where you can find me on social media. Literally, if you, pro- like, so I, I try to do this as easy as possible. But honestly, if you just type in Five for Fighting Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or um twitter it'll probably come up if you're really trying to get down to it and find like the actual name so facebook you just type in fight for fighting podcast regularly and it'll come up um twitter is at and then you're going to type in the actual number five and then four fighting pod and then over on instagram it's just at and then um five for fighting pod typed out regularly so stay up to date there you can follow it uh give it a like a follow or whatever the case may be i post fight pictures videos and updates on the podcast so um yeah, go check it out and stay up to date on everything. But anyways, guys, I think that's about it. I uh, will talk no more, and we will let Rob Volterra do all the talking here. So anyways, guys, thank you. I hope you enjoyed the pod's first interview after the hiatus. So without further ado, here is Rob Volterra. Thanks, guys. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, and here tonight, the first guest back after the podcast hiatus. I was supposed to get him on months ago, and I felt bad after everything. And here we are finally tonight after the trials and tribulations of us trying to figure out the Zoom call. Here we are with Mr. <laughs> Rob Volterra. Rob, how you doing tonight? Good yourself, Alec. Thanks. Good. I appreciate you taking the time to come onto the podcast and um, stick it out after the, the few months here that we've been, I've been trying to get you on. And of course, um, beforehand, I think it was like football season. And so every Sunday I was doing shit and then, um, uh, you know, the podcast went on hiatus. So I'm glad I could get you back on. I said, I owed you one since once I figured out I was going to be able to bring the pod back here. Oh, that's awesome. And you guys want a Stanley cup down there. Good for you guys. Back to back. Oh yeah, we'll see what the, I'm curious what they're going to do in the off season to see how that happens. But now I'm fo- my focus has turned to the Everblades now since we moved down to Fort Myers. So I'll be I'll be closely watching all the ECHL stuff more than uh, more than ever this year. Yeah, it's good. I, they're pretty hungry guys down there, so it'll be some good hockey, I think. Yeah, and even Garrett Hunt was still around for the uh, I think the Wheeling Nailers last season. So there's still a couple scrappy guys in there, and I'm hoping to see a little bit of flair. I mean, it's kind of it's really, really on its way out in the NHL, and it's only going to get worse every year in the minors. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be a good time, though. Plus, I don't feel as guilty spending, you know, $10 on a ticket as opposed to $80 for nosebleeds at a lightning game when it's, you know, you could hear a mouse piss on cotton in the arena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never know. Like, I think this, the more of the toughness guys are coming back. I, I could see a big wave coming back here, like, there's a lot of uh, cheap stuff that's going on in the game right now. And I could see, you know, some of these at the East Coast level, they start bringing up some of these tougher guys and, you know, taking a run at Reeves and um, those other guys. I think it's going to be – I think it, I think we're going to see a little bit of a surge come back here with more of the tougher hockey. We'll have to see how it goes. The only thing that sucks, and I, I I do think that in the past couple seasons, I think it's gotten a little bit better. The only thing that sucks is in the junior levels. Um, I know the WHL doesn't have a fight limit, but I think, the I know definitely the Q does. They just came out with a stupid one this year. It's like five fights, and you get like suspended after that or something like that. And then I think the OHL is 10, and even the ECHL and AHL have them. So that's the only thing that's going to really restrict guys from kind of getting – 
I don't want to say that they're not going to be great at fighting, but the, you know, the more you do it, the better you get. So it's like, yeah, ugh, you know, it, it's it's a long day. I mean, hell, just your like, like we were talking about before we got going here, your o two o three fight card. Uh, you'd have been suspended probably <laughs> in the AHL <laughs> now. Um, oh God! <laughs> yeah, so it's it's crazy times we we live in with today's hockey now, but. Um, yeah, I, I do think teams are searching for a little bit more toughness now. I think they're realizing that with playoffs, and I think that's what the Lightning kind of realized, and they went out and got a little bit more, you know, sandpaper like Maroon and, um, yeah. and Shen, and I think Bogosian when they when they first won the Cup um, yeah. last year. So we'll see how it goes. But um, before you know, before we dive into your career here a bit, uh, what are you up to now? I uh, run a, a development company. We do residential houses here in Western Canada. So we're building right now. We're in the middle of 30, uh, 30 houses. So. Oh, there you go. That's taken up a bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so you're out there in BC, you know, where you, so you were born in BC, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. On Vancouver Island. So. Oh, there you God's go. God's country. God's country. Yep. Did you start <laughs> playing hockey as soon as you could walk? No, I didn't actually. I was a late bloomer. I was like eleven or twelve before oh, my really? parents put me in. Yeah. Oh, that's I was really a little late. haywire. I was a little haywire at the beginning, and so they're like, "Well, what are we gonna do with this kid?" <laughs> so let's put him into something. So they put me into hockey, and off we go. Right on. So when did you kind of start taking off the? Uh, I, I I don't want to say like the enforcer, or the fighting role. Did you kind of take to the physical play of hockey right away, or was that something that you kind of developed in your game a little bit down the line once you got to the dub? Yeah, no, like about 15 years old, you start going to the junior A camps and, um, you know what, they allow the fighting. So I had one fight and I absolutely loved it. So I was just (laughs) like, oh yeah, I could get used to this (laughs) and just kind of went off from there. And, you know, as a 16 year old going into the dub and I wasn't drafted, I was just protected by Prince George and I went in there and fought everyone that wanted to and everyone that I could and, and eventually just made the team as a 16 year old, which is unheard of, especially right now. And you know what? I did a pretty good job and that's where it kind of took off. So, you know, uh, like, we'll, you know, go back because this is circa 94, 95 year when you go to Prince George. What was the training camp like? I mean, did you did you even play with the puck at all or were you just dropping the gloves the entire training camp? No, I was no, I had like I had some skill, like I could score goals. I could, you know, oh, yeah, I, for sure. Like I, I wasn't a knuckle dragger, <laughs> but, you know, when we get into okay, let's figure out a role. And then you go up against guys that are scoring like 20, 30 goals in the dub. And I'm like, well, I'm not here to score goals. I might as well <laughs> do something. I got to try and make this squad somehow. And off we went. And you know what? I just kind of fought my way onto the team. Right. It's like that sometimes you're trying to find a role. And sometimes it's like almost guys get into it by accident. They get mad or something. They drop the gloves. And the next thing you know, they happened to drop the gloves of the dude who was pretty tough and they ended up doing well. And the whole other team or the teams hear about it around the league and they start coming after you. And you're like, next thing you know, you're, you're becoming a fighter in the league and it was completely unplanned. So I just, I'm always curious to see how that goes, especially in junior. Cause you know, down here in the States, we don't, we, I mean, we have, 
junior, but I don't think it was anything to that caliber, especially circa like 95. So I'm always curious oh, to hear man. how that goes. I think it was just more of I wanted to I wanted to wear the jersey and I wanted to make the team so bad that I it was one of those uh, natural instincts like I got to figure out a role that's gonna make me like stay here and that was one of the roles that was kind of easier for me to just go and do like we could just go like anytime I could just drop the gloves and fight. I couldn't just go out there and score a goal every shift or whenever I wanted. That's a tough part. Like it's easy to find a fight. So you just go out and fight. And you know what? I fought five, five or six times at that training camp and ended up making the team. Well, there you go. I mean, what better way to do it than, uh, you know, dropping the gloves. Um, yeah. And you know, a teammate I got to ask you about on there was Matt Van Horlick. What was it like, uh, you know, being with him on that first year? Oh, it was unbelievable. Like there was there like in that 94, 95, that that was like near the end of the hazing bullshit that was happening, like all across all the junior theft. Right. So there was a little bit of hazing, but he was the guy that just had enough of them. I think he was a rookie the year before me. And he was the one that just stood up and said, no more of this shit. That's it. No more. We're not doing the hazing stuff. We're not doing whatever was happening. And that was it. And he was awesome. Like, and he just went out and he was like, he was tougher than nails. And he was like a pretty small guy. And he just didn't give a flying rat's ass, like who he was up against. And I was just like, wow. So I'm a 16 year old. I'm six foot maybe a buck 90 and he's fighting these guys that are huge. And I was just like, well, I can do that. He's just a smaller guy. So <laughs> that's where I kind of just kind of went in and said, all right, he can do it. Let's do this. Right on. Do you, do you remember happen or who happened to be your first, uh, you know, fight officially in the WHL that wasn't on training camp? Cause of course, like we talked about before, um, unfortunately, drop your gloves down. The old WHL fight cards are pretty hard to come by. So just out of curiosity, if you remember who you happen to drop the gloves with for the first time. Oh, man. I don't think I had very many scraps that year. I think I had like six or seven, maybe. Like, I didn't play a whole lot. I was like the fourth line. And once you get out there, you don't really know your role. And you're just like, well, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> like, you're still evolving to, you know, like, um, Maddie, he knew his role. He would go out and bang and crash and fight if he had to and do whatever. But I was still learning that role. Like, I didn't know what was happening. So I would just go out and, and I seriously, I can't remember who I fought, who the first one I fought. I know, I think that from that year, I think Darren from Fourth Line Voice has the video. And, of course, I, I was trying to do a little bit of video research and see what's out there for you on YouTube. And I know you fought Jeff Ainsworth that year. Um, and yeah, I That might have been the first one, maybe. Yeah, there you go. I mean, if it is, cool. I, I know, like you said, if you had five or six, footage is going to be super fucking limited. Um, yeah. But that fight, you did, you did pretty damn well in, so people can go check that one out for sure. Yeah. No, there was, there was some, you, you know what, that, that year and the year after, 
like the dub the dub was just producing fighters after <laughs> fighters like and that was kind of the role that i just kind of blossomed into and i was never the big tough guy i could play the game but i kept people honest that were on the ice against us but my era we had rocky thompson Rob Skurlak, Wade Belak, Scott Parker, Todd Fedoric. I mean, the list can go on and on. Oh, yeah. These these guys that are just all they want to do is rip your head off. And I was just like this 16, 17 year old kid. And I was just like, do to do, going out <laughs> and just like enjoying playing junior hockey. And I was just like, oh wow we got to fight these guys. (laughs) I'm like, this is ridiculous. Going into Kelowna and you got to fucking face off against Scott Parker or some shit. Yeah. No, thanks. (laughs) Oh man. That was ridiculous. I mean, I remember fighting Wade Belak. He was in Saskatoon. Yep. And I just happened to get tangled up with him. And he was six, six, two thirty. I'm six, (laughs) six foot me i'm pushing six one and i'm 198 pounds 210 210 in the program because i strapped the 25 pound weight on my waist when we were weighing in at the beginning of the camp (laughs) just so i could feel better about myself in the program and so i get matched up with this guy and he's beating me and he was so strong that he wouldn't let me fall down i was trying to fall down just to end the fight and he was so strong he just held me up on the boards but he never really like he would punch me but then he would backhand me with his fist like he was just a man and i was just like oh my what have i got myself into (laughs) (laughs) yeah those old the old blades teams man they they were always stacked with toughness i mean and i've interviewed kevin kaminsky and i mean the year he was on the team they had him Tony Twist and Kelly Chase all on the same team. So it's just the the old dub was just something else. And I don't think you'll ever see anything like it, honestly. Um, I don't think so. And I was lucky I got the tail end of it where even goal scorers, they fought. Like Darcy Tucker, he put up how many points? 130 points a year. And he would rip your face off. Oh, yeah. And, and he, went, and he went into the NHL and was a fighter. Yeah. It's crazy to think that this guy, he put up, you know, five, six points against us every game because we weren't very good then. And he turned out to be like this grinder, like fighter guy in the show. And yep. I was just like, wow. Yeah, you had and then you had guys like, you know, Aginla out in Kamloops just ripping it up and could do the same exact thing. It's just like insane the the talent that yeah. was coming from the old whl um well speaking of guys also in the nhl so the next year excuse me your last year there in prince george you had a guy who is still playing to this day and that is one <laughs> zidane ochara uh yeah how was it playing with him because and he was even huge back in the whl as well you know what? When we when we got him, we we drafted him in the in the European draft, and we got him. He was six nine. <laughs> He's like not even two hundred pounds. 
So he's this skinny little guy. And he comes over and he's like Bambi on ice. <laughs> but his reach was like a thousand feet. Like he could almost touch the boards as as these guys are skating by him. And um the one one time he came up, he's like, Hey Volts, you need to like wrestle and show me how to fight and like I'm like I can't show you how to fight because once you get punched in the face everything's off like you don't have no game plan I'm like I'll wrestle that's the best way to do and we just wrestled probably five six seven times just on the ice where we're just jostling and trying to get you know in there or whatever and all of a sudden after those five or six times, he's just like killing guys. Like there was no chance of touching him because he had that long reach. Right. And he was drafted by the Islanders at the time. And he went over to the Islanders and then he came back and skated with us for training camp, just, or not training camp, but in the summer where, and he probably gained 35 pounds. So now he's huge. And he's like a man because he just spent the whole summer with the Islanders. And I was like, oh, my God. So then he went to the Islanders and never saw him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Charlie's one of those guys where to me, I don't think he's the greatest fighter personally just from footage. But he didn't have to be because that wasn't his role, of course. I mean, he's a yeah. Hall of Fame defenseman. But he's just got that insane reach. And I think the only person I've ever really seen tag him, besides the one dude from Nashville um, recently, uh, but that was, who, who was it? Chris Graff out in the old WHL, I think, got him. Got oh, him one yeah. time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Char is one of those guys where uh, he's just, he's so huge. And I, he's, like you said, he was almost like Bambi-ish. So it's, it's got to be kind of hard fighting guys when they're that much smaller than you, I think. Because um, it's, you're getting tugged on, but you just, their center, your center of gravity is taken off now because you're getting tugged on at such a lower level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he got beat up a couple times his first one, and then that's when he asked me to start wrestling and doing whatever we do, like, in practice. And then after that, it was just, like, game on. Right. Like, he was, like, destroying guys. As soon as he got his balance on the whole fighting thing, there was, like, no chance. Like, he was just destroying guys. Right. Yeah, and it's crazy. He's still doing it. He even fought Matt Martin this year, of all people. So, <laughs> it's crazy oh, to see him still doing it. Still going yeah. at it. Um, so, the next year, you end up out there in Edmonton with the ice. And this team is fun. Uh, the yeah. roster that you guys had. And I you have one former guest on there, when Jeremy Yablonski. But you also had Jason Nori, uh, Graham Belak, and you had Jay Henderson. Uh, how was yeah. how was it when you got there? Well, did you did you like it and trade it there, or were you kind of you know, mixed emotions on it at first? No, I well, I shouldn't say hated it. I the guys these are the guys. Like you're always gonna love the guys, but I think when I left there, we were oh nineteen and one, but we could beat up anyone. But <laughs> I just came I just came from Prince George where we went to the Western Finals. So I was just like enjoying myself and I was like, all right, finally, all this losing in Prince George, we finally have a good team and we're going to go like half decently good this year. 
and the coach, there was a coaching change and I got traded right away, right to Edmonton, the worst team in the league. And I was just like, holy, no, can't be doing this. (laughs) (laughs) But man, we had a lot, we had a lot of meat on that team. Like, like you said, Jason Norrie is awesome. Jeremy Leblonsky was there. Like there were, I can't believe we didn't do better <laughs> just on intimidation <laughs> factor. I, I, you know, I don't know if you were a part of the photo at all, but I, I remember seeing it was like a promotional poster for the Edmonton ice. And it was like the team toughness and everybody's kind of stacked around or like on a Zamboni. I think if I remember right, I'm not sure if you were part of that or if that was later on down the line. I think um, it was later on, yeah. Because I know Yablonski's in it, so it might have been the next year. But I just, I, I dig the old school, like, tough guy promo, like, merchandise and T-shirts. and Because so you, you just don't see it anymore. And back yeah, then, no. I mean, that was, like, the hottest, the hot ticket items at, out in the minor pros and juniors. So it's always funny yeah. seeing how much it's changed, like, the old fight merchandise and shit like that. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, so leaving leaving the dub, you actually ended up in Germany, of all places. How did that happen? Well, uh, I left. I left Edmonton. They didn't want to trade me, so I went down and played in Nanaimo in Junior A, and we were hosting the national championships. And on that team, we had a bunch of guys that I played with, like through minor hockey. So I went down there, enjoyed my time down there, and then. In the national championship, I had a scout from Germany that said, hey, why don't you come out? We're having a free agent camp. Why don't you come out and see what happens? And I was like, okay, I'm 20 years old. I don't really want to play junior for my fifth year. Like, let's just try it out. So I went out to this free agent camp in Vancouver, and they're like, yeah, we love you. Like, I could play the game, so scored a couple goals, hit whatever there was not much fighting like going over to europe right so had to show that you could play and went over to germany in my first game i scored a hat trick which (laughs) was bad (laughs) i guess um and like signed right away and the canadian there's two canadian guys on the team they're just like oh you shouldn't have scored a hat trick the first game and i was like why fuck i did ph- phenomenal that game and he's just like yeah but everyone's gonna expect a hat trick every game now like this is how it is in europe and i was like oh god <laughs> yeah it was a whole other like just a different world over there in the hockey and i was just like oh okay well this is where we are so i spent the year over there and it was great like got to improve on a lot of skating and a lot of uh, playmaking and stuff like that. So, and yeah, came no, back. put up 37 penalty minutes and, or excuse me, 37 points and you put up 181 penalty minutes. So you were, you're doing pretty well for yourself over there. Oh yeah. Like the coach didn't like me. He was a Czech guy and he only spoke Czech or German and he didn't like the hitting at all. And I would go out there and just crush guys because you're not allowed to fight and I would just crush guys and I'd get a penalty. And then he would come in like in the intermission and he was a player coach too. Like there was no coach, like he was a player coach. And so he's playing and he he's there and he's yelling at me 
like standing in front of me yelling at me in Czech or German or whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> so do do do. So then he would turn his back and then go and sit down again. And I would talk to the Canadian guy that knew German. I was like, what did he say? He's like, oh, he's not mad. He's not very happy with you right now. I was like, oh. I thought this is how the game's played. You hit, you hammer guys. Right. But Maybe. over there, they didn't like that at all. Even the referees are just like, yeah, no, you can't do that. I was like, it was just a body check. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old crazy. Euro hockey. Um, oh, yeah. Love it. So after Germany, you find, you know, the league that you, you ended up playing in the most, I believe, and that is the United Hockey League. How did you end up out there in BC with the Iceman? Um, you know what? I got a call from Brad Jones, who was the coach of Binghamton at the time. He said, "Why, yeah, why don't you come down and, uh, and try out and whatever. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent coming down and went down and it was like no other training camp that I've ever been at because I thought I was going down like I'm 20, 21 years old at the time. So I thought I was going into like a junior camp where there's, you know, 40, 50 people trying out for this team. Well, there's like 22, like they had to make two cuts. And I was just like, do, 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 like, okay, who am I going to fight? And we were just practicing training camp, ready to go. Let's get ready for the, get ready for the year. And there was this huge guy there and he walks in, he was like an older guy. And I thought he was the coach or assistant coach. And he's just like, Hey, how you doing? My name's Matt Rockty. And I was just like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? And he starts getting geared up and I was just like, Oh God, this guy's <laughs> huge. I got to fight this guy to make the team. <laughs> so I was just like, Oh man. So now we're just skating around. I was like, so Matt, how does this whole training camp start like uh, happen? Like, is there fighting? And he's like, Oh no, no, we, we keep that for, uh, for exhibition. I was just like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. For people out there, you can go look up some Matt Ruckty footage and he's pretty solid out there. And, uh, Oh man. You actually ended up with Jason Norrie out there again. You found him that same that same year on the on the uh, Iceman. Yeah, no, he was actually he was my roommate in Edmonton. We had a good time. Like, and uh, he's a pretty tough guy. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, he went over and fought a fought a little bit out there in Europe. Um, another guy I got to ask you about because I had I had him on the podcast and. Um, he recently just sent me one of his old Colonial League jerseys, and I'll, I'll forever be thankful for that from him. But uh, do you ever remember playing with Jack Gregg at all? Oh, man. No, I don't. He was well, he, he only played a couple games there um, that season. So I was wondering if just by happen or just, yeah, by happen chance if you remembered him. Um, but yeah, Jack Gregg, for those listening, you can go back and listen to that episode. That was a fun one, too. Um, yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, he will have to listen to that one for sure. That one's good. He tells a pretty funny story about going to like he heard heard from somewhere that a guy fought in the stands or some shit like that, and then ended up getting a call up the next day or some. So he goes and does it, and then gets fucking suspended for it. <laughs> Doesn't get called <laughs> up at all. Old Colonial League mayhem. Um, oh, so you well, I'll, I'll ask you this, and I. I you know, frown upon myself for not doing proper research here because I just I realize I'm missing this little piece because on some of the years where if, if I don't have your fight card, I like to go and I'll look at like divisions and stuff like that and maybe sure. see who is in it. But do you remember fighting anybody that first year in the old U-Haul um, of who might have been some big names that you fought there? Well, one of your guests, I think, oh, was it the first year or the second year I was in Binghamton? I fought Bruce Watson. Yeah, and he he hit our goal scorer. He was in Asheville, and me and Waddy we played in Rockford together. So he's like he's a he's a freaking solid dude. And anyway, he hits he hits our goal scorer Chris Grenville, and I was on the bench at the time. And our benches in Binghamton, there was we were just separated. There was two two doors next to each other, just separated by a piece of glass. So he was coming off, and I was like, hey, Watson, you can't be doing that. And then he stopped in front of our bench, and I kind of gave him a shot, and off the gloves come. So I'm fighting him on the bench. He's on the ice. He's trying to drag me onto the ice, and I'm like, oh, if I get dragged on the ice, I'm going to be in big trouble here. So I got to stay. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep myself on the bench so I don't get in trouble for leaving the bench. He's trying to drag me onto the ice. So we're just kind of like fighting. Finally, the refs come and we get five for fighting. And I was just like, oh, shit. I almost got suspended big time for that. <laughs> and the coach is just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's great only in the old u-haul league i couldn't imagine if oh. something like that happened today in the nhl just the old oh my god the the twitter folks would just be up in arms over it yeah no kidding but i was like i wasn't i wasn't a scary guy like i wasn't a any of these guys like i just i could play the game and i could you know i could score some goals i could play like assists or do whatever but i just just if there was something that happened on the ice then i would just take care of it and i think people knew that on my team that if they got hit hard that i would be the first guy that's going to be in there whether i'm going to win or lose the fight didn't really matter it just this guy's gotta do something like he's got to stick up for himself or he's gonna do whatever right but i was never this big huge scary guy like bruce watson and all these other guys that you've had on here and i was just like oh my gosh like i can't believe i'm on a podcast for all these guys that are just killers <laughs> <laughs> oh shit no man you, you you had your role and you put up some solid fucking penalty minutes it ain't always about just being the the big names i mean i Fuck, having Rob Voltaire on is big enough for me, so <laughs> that tells oh, you something. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're reaching up to touch bottom, as Darren says, so who knows, scraping the bottom of the barrel, eh? <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh no, I, I, I kid, but um, 
So I'll jump ahead a little bit here to I, I got to ask if this fight happened because there's footage of it online and it also might be from Fourth Line Voice. And I, pl- you know what, that motherfucker, I plug his shit every episode and I still haven't gotten my fucking check in the mail. Um, <laughs> but you happened to fight Eric Goddard. Was that during your call up with the Springfield Falcons? Yeah, that was my trial with uh, Springfield. And it was uh, actually it was a solid tryout for me anyway. I fought Eric Goddard and um, had a, I think I had one or two goals through the exhibition season, threw up a couple points, fought Goddard and Goddard absolutely like, he gave me like bruises on my head (laughs) and I was just like, oh my God. So we go to practice the next day after I fight Goddard. And I can't put my helmet on. And I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, talk to the trainer. I was like, dude, I can't put my, I can't do, I can't put my helmet on. I don't know what I'm going to do here. And he's just like, uh, let me, let me talk to the coach. Forget who the coach was at the time. Uh, Brad, Brad Shaw, I want to say. Uh, head coach, uh, Mark Potvin. And then Brad Shaw was the assistant coach that year. Yeah. So Bradshaw came in after, and he's like, okay, boys, we're going to do no helmet practice today. And, uh, yeah, so we just went around. We just hung around with no helmets if you wanted. (laughs) And I was just like, thank you so much. I was like, I was dying. But in that, that year, there was Phoenix and Tampa Bay that were using uh, Springfield as a as a farm team right so i got pushed out with all the sign like the all the big guys that were signed with nhl contracts and they're all like well you got to go down and play in the u-haul again and (laughs) well we'll call you up and i was like okay great super see if i can get my helmet on again (laughs) (laughs) yeah that guy punched hard yeah gotcha he has the nickname hand of god for a reason Oh my god! Yeah, yeah no kidding. Fuck! If you sit down, Derek Bugard, he's got some power behind him. That's that's no fucking mm. joke there with uh, Eric Goddard for sure. Uh, yeah. So you actually ended up the next year in Hershey. How'd you get called up there? Uh, I actually made it there, but I got a funny story here from the U-Haul. We go into Utica, and. We have the Robert's brothers there. Oh, God. <laughs> so Mario and uh, um, the other Serge. guy, Serge. And I fight Serge. Serge for first. I fight Serge first and do pretty good against him. Like, I was, a, I was pretty excited. I was like, all right. I did pretty good against Serge. So we sit down. I rip my shoulder kind of kind of apart. My shoulder's sore. So then we go back, get back on the ice. My first shift, Mario comes after me. Hey, you beat up my brother. We have to fight. And I was just like, no, <laughs> seriously, Mario, I can't. My shoulder's fucked right now. And he's just like, no, no, we have to fight. So he's chasing me around. And I was just like, no, no, like my shoulder is like screwed here. I'm like, I don't know how to say this in French, but my shoulder is like messed up. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, we're fighting. And I was just like, oh God. 
okay, so I fought both the Roberts brothers in the same game. And then after I fight Mario, my shoulder is completely done. Like, no more shoulder. Surgery, out six months. But that's kind of like where we were in the U-Haul is if you like beat up somebody or whatever, the next guy was coming over the boards. Like there were so many tough guys right. back then that something would happen, but I just happened to tangle up with the wrong brother, I guess. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. The, the old Robert's brothers, it's probably one of the best one, two combos out there. They, uh, Oh, for sure. God, they're, they were insane. They, of course they, I think both of them went on to go play in the, the Quebec league too. I know Serge did for sure. I, I believe Mario did as well yeah um yeah but those two it's probably one of the best brother combos out there for sure um so you know how did you did you get to hershey or get the call up there after your your six month um uh, recovery time from shoulder surgery yeah i got a trial with uh hershey i signed in san diego the next day with or the uh next year with um the goals with the gulls and went on and they, I said, Oh, I need an AHL contract or a AHL tryout. And they said, yeah, we'll get you on when Hershey. I said, perfect. So I went to Hershey and same thing. Like training camp was training camp. And as soon as the exhibition season started, just started fighting. And that was a position that, I could see myself in there and I was just like, okay, I do. All right. I can do all right with the big boys. So let's try and get a, get a spot. And I beat out a lot of guys that were under NHL contract that year. And I was like, one of the proudest things that I've done is I beat out a lot of guys that were on two ways and they sent them down to the coast just (laughs) to keep me sort of thing. And I was just like, all right, doing something here. Yeah, that uh, this is I, I'm I'm thankful we have your fight card from the season because this is quite the fight card, and you know looking through the the Hershey roster, you were kind of almost like the lone gun there, um, that season. You had you had like Brent Thompson and uh, Jeff Paul, but I mean other than that, you were the only one who even got remotely close to 200 pims that season. So you were kind of carrying all the weight. But do you, do you have? I'll just ask you about two guys from that team before we get to your fight card. Do you remember playing with Brad Wingfield or Mike Varhog or excuse me, Varhog at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Winger is a good like. He was in the U-Haul. Yep. And we had some pretty uh, close encounters, but we have mutual friends from the coast here, from Vancouver, and it was more of. Uh, like punch in the face with our gloves on while we're in a scrum sort of thing. Hey, do you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. How you doing? <laughs> it was one of those guys. I was just like, yeah, it was one of those guys that I was like, I don't really want to fight this guy sort of thing. <laughs> and, but, and then Mike Farhog, I mean, he was like a million miles tall Yep. and he could just do whatever he wanted out there and, I don't know. Like, I don't know what happened, but I think I could play more than they could and do the same job sort of thing. I don't know if, it, if that was the way that I stayed up there and they didn't sort of thing. So I don't know. I was like, 
whatever the coaches wanted, basically. Right. That time of year. But yeah, those guys are solid dudes. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Varhog became really, really big out in the uh, Quebec League when he went there with, I think, both him and Wingfield. I don't know if they were on the same team or at the on the team at the same time, but I know both of them ended up going to Sherbrooke. Um, yeah. And he, I'll ask you more about Wingfield and the uh, infamous Danbury Trashers later and see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that, and I'm I'm excited because they got a documentary coming out. But we'll we'll save that. We'll get to your your Hershey fight card now. Um, so the first name on here, and of course, he actually runs his own podcast now called the Sheriff Podcast, and that's Sean McMorrow. Um, do you yeah. ever fight him at all? I did. Yeah, I think that was one of my first ones during the regular season. But I I think it's been told. I think I heard it a couple times where he just jumps guys and I don't know, not a lot of respect there for the guy, but you know what he did, he was there for a job and, and he did his, did his duty and whatever. I know there was a couple times that I asked him after that and he didn't want to kind of square up. So I don't know, (laughs) like, I don't know. I fought him and did all right. For sure. Um, and this guy I'll ask you about, and I have another former guest on the podcast. And you fought the motherfucker, goddamn, I think five times, is uh, Pete Vandermeer. Old Pistol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pistol Pete, yeah. He's awesome. Like, he's probably the most technical fighter that I think I've ever seen. And I have a picture. I'll have to find it, but I'll send it to you. It's, it's actually on my Facebook because we're friends, so have a look for it but it was probably the only time or maybe the second time that i've actually hit him in that face <laughs> with a punch and the photographer actually took a good picture and it was like perfectly timed that my my fist was like right on his face and i was like oh my god so i sent it to him right away obviously when i find it i was like hey pete remember this one <laughs> but yeah i was like oh he was a he was tough he was a tough customer like he was so technical he was he's not a big guy but he was like a slimy little guy like he couldn't get you couldn't get a good punch in on him right and it was crazy yeah but oh, I remember yeah. going into yeah I remember going into Philadelphia they had a sold out barn and in the um, in the pregame like talk from the coach mike felino boys listen we have a sold out crowd so let's not let the crowd get into it at all and i was just like okay perfect whatever he starts me and i was just like well now you're giving me mixed messages here (laughs) and i'm lined up against pete and i was just like okay so uh, Again, mixed messages. Are we getting into this or what are we doing here? So he Pete's asking me because he wants the crowd into it. Coach wants me not to get the crowd into it because we're like Philadelphia. Philadelphia, best fans ever. Like they're like crazy. Like crazy, crazy fans. And they, like the coach knew, don't get the fans into it. So... Pete's asking me, I'm looking at the coach. The coach is kind of looking up into the like stands. And I was just like, oh, 
Pete, I was like, Pete, yeah, let's do this. So we get into a big scrap. The crowd's right into it. (laughs) I do pretty good against Pete. Go into the penalty box and we score right after that. I was like, oh yeah, fuck, I like jacked up the team. So go off and in the intermission, Felino is just absolutely giving it to me because I got the fans into it. I was like, what are you talking about? We scored a goal right after the fight. I'm like, we're good. And he couldn't get over it that I wouldn't listen to him and got the fans into it. And I was just like, well, you shouldn't have started me then. Right. Like what? (laughs) You know, Vandermeer's out there. Why would you put me out there? (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't think you're out there to play patty cake with Vandermeer. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, I don't know. Yeah. Mixed messages, I guess, from coaches. Let's play the head game, I guess. Yeah, fuck. I'd I'd have been pissed. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> oh shit, that's great. But yeah, I, I want to say you fought him, I think, five times. Um, is what it, at least what hockey fights has you down for. Um but yeah, Pete's awesome. And uh, for those listening, I have an episode with Pete Vandery. You can go back and check that one out. And Pete's an, he was an awesome guest. Um Yeah, it's a good episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I actually need to get him back on. I don't even think we got to his ECHL stuff. It just happened to be late at night here. I was like, fuck, I got to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but the next guy I'll ask you about, and I was a huge fan of him, and he actually retired not that long ago. It was kind of, I, I really think the last true top heavyweight in the NHL was uh, Bigger and Brian McGratton. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I, was, I think I was lucky that I got. I got him at the beginning of his career because I like hammered him pretty good. Like there, um, I thought, cause when you, you're looking at the stats and you see the guys coming up with the fighting majors and he was always right behind me, like whatever, whatever we were at, like 18, 19 fights. I was like, Oh, who's this kid? now that I know like my role and well, let's try this kid out. So I fought him, did really well against him. And I thought that he was just a kid. Like he, like he was just, he was just coming up. So to think that he went on and made a career out of doing that, I was like, thank God I didn't get him near the middle of his career. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then after i did that then i had to fight dennis bonby because bonby wasn't he didn't like that too much so it was like one of those u-haul things so if you have one guy and you do good against them you always have the next guy coming out okay let's try it so i was just like holy shit yeah how was so how now was i had to fight bonby? dennis bonby oh he was good like he ended up getting traded to hershey and he actually lived in the same apartment. So we were like travel partners. We would travel to the rink all the time. So we became good buddies and, and whatever. And he like kind of took me under his wing and he's like, oh yeah, you got to do this and that. And we talked a lot about different opponents that were coming up against. And I was just like, oh, wow. Where were you like five years ago when I was starting this shit? Yeah, no kidding. Oh shit. Um, 
Another and this one actually you can find it on YouTube is Sean Thornton, another NHLer. This you, like you said, you fought a lot of like NHL guys this year. Um, how was it fighting Thornton? Um, it was good. I think we were down in um, where did he play? Norfolk. Yes, he was down in Norfolk, and yeah, he just asked me to fight him. Off we went. And somehow my jersey got didn't get jerseyed from behind like a normal jersey, but he got me up my front of my jersey. And I was just like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, he was pretty tough. Like, he could throw with both hands. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm like bit off a little more than I could chew here on this one. <laughs> yeah, old Thornton. I think well, he ended up getting two cups, one with the Ducks and the other with the uh, the Bruins. Yeah, I'm a huge Sean Thornton guy. Um, yeah, no, he's aw- he, you know what? He's a beauty guy too. Like, I've had friends that played with him, and he's just like such a solid dude. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, another guy I will ask you about, and I was fortunate enough to see Andre Wa fight him when uh, Wa was with the Lightning, um, and he was in Buffalo at the time. But Andrew Peters. He ended up fighting big Peters, and I think that one's online too, actually. That one's online. I think he picked me up and put me on the bench. For... Yes, yes. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was strong. Like I did, I was doing okay, and then all of a sudden we got close to the boards, and he kind of picked me up because he was so strong. Like I don't think he's got a neck. Like his traps are like huge. <laughs> And he just kind of picked me up and threw me on the boards. And I was just like, what the, what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like there was a lot of tough guys that were coming up. And they were trying to get to the show. And like you said, I was in Hershey. I was basically by myself. And I was more, I wasn't heavy, heavyweight, like I said. No one was scared to fight me, I don't think. But I would just fight. Like, if someone wanted to fight, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. And that's where, that's the type of guy I was. Like, I just wanted to do what was best for the team. And if we needed a fight, then I would fight. And sometimes when we didn't need one, like in Philadelphia, I still fought. Like... If you're going to ask me to dance, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, the last guy I'll ask you about from that season, and people might not know who this is, and I'm more so just curious about it because I know him from watching the LNH the past few years, and he was actually in the, uh, what was it, like the Vice Sports documentary that they did on the LNH, I think it was back in like 2015. But do you remember fighting a guy named Eric LaPlante? Uh, yeah, where was he? Um, I, I was he with, I think he was with the Sharks team. I'm trying to remember if it was if, if it was Worcester at the time. I can't remember off the top of my head. Let me, I could probably figure that out here in like two seconds. Um, but I know he he had gotten into some trouble, um, with like like down the line, and he there's a huge gap in like his. Um, like his playing career because he went to prison for a little bit and then ends up coming back and playing with the LNH. Oh, he was with, uh, I believe he was at Cleveland, actually. That's what it was. Um, Sorry about that. But yeah, so it was uh, LaPlante. He played with Cleveland at the time. Yeah. 
I don't remember him. Was he a D-man? Um, apparently, <laughs> Hockey DB has him listed as a left wing. No. Unfortunately, I don't. Sorry, he's not, planner. <laughs> he's not. Well, he wasn't. A, he was never a big name guy. Like I said, I did. I was just curious about it because I knew him from that documentary. And like I said, there was a big gap in his playing career because he ended up going to prison and then gets back out and plays in the LNH for Laval for I think like two seasons. Um, oh yeah. So I was just I was just curious about that one. But um, no, so- like there's like once you get into uh, you know like a few fights there, then you're just like, oh wow. Like we're, you're trying to piece it all together and you want to, that's why when we were talking before, like that, um, drop your gloves, I was trying to research, like, who did I fight like this year? And I didn't want to be that guy that came on and he's like, oh yeah, what, uh, what was his name? You know, like a couple of those guys that you had and I was just like, oh, I can't think of anyone and it's like one of those so far like long ago 15 20 years ago right and you're just like wow i don't remember that far back well and then when you fight so much and you get in so many of them sometimes they start meshing together yeah for sure and then the years too and you're just like oh what year was that so you're trying to and it's good for for us as hockey players to kind of rekindle kind of the memories because i have a like i have a son and i know my brother um kind of emailed you to try and get me on here yes and yeah my brother's six years younger than i am so there's a big age gap there so he doesn't he didn't get to hear a lot of the stories that that we get to talk about and i was just like oh i gotta do this for my brother and I'm trying to uh, remember everything just to kind of give him to give him a, like a storyline of where, where I was and what I was doing and, and everything. Right. So I don't know. No, it makes it's sense. One of those. It's another reason yeah. that we need to drop your gloves back. Damn it. For those listening, I, I put a link in every, every description since the podcast came back to uh, the, the GoFundMe page for that. So we can get that back going and, get fight cards for this reason too exactly like that it's not just for the podcast and it's more so for players like you to uh be able to look back and be like oh yeah okay so now i do remember once you just see a name that's all it takes sometimes is as soon as you see that name you're right back in the fight all the yeah time. exactly so, yeah and then uh, huge. yeah and then when you're sitting around with buddies and you're like yeah i fought that guy then you need proof yeah because like, <laughs> now every nowadays uh you can just Google anything and you can have proof in a second. Right. But without the proof, you're just like, ah, oh, well, maybe I didn't. Exactly. Um, so everybody listen, just another reason to give, whether it's a dollar or $20, don't matter to the donation for the GoFundMe run by Steve over at when Probert was King to bring back a new drop your gloves and it'll be a bigger and better updated site than the last one. Um, I will ask you about a teammate and two more guys you fought, and that was the next year that you were on Hershey. Um, but the one teammate that you had, and I was fortunate enough to see him play down in Tampa, was Yevgeny Artukin. How was it playing with him? I was good. The guy hit like a truck. Like, 
There was no question. He hit so hard in the North American game that he was getting penalties just for hitting too hard. <laughs> and I was just, it was, it was amazing to see that guy. He was what, 6'4", 220? He was huge. They used to and, call him Artie the Animal. Yeah. And how fast he could skate and how hard he could hit. Like he would smash guys and he would get a penalty just for hitting too hard. And you're like, well, this is the game. Right. So you you go back into the German league and you're just like, where am I? Like, am I in Europe right now? Because that was just a solid body check. But he <laughs> would just like kill guys. Like the guy was a machine and he was huge. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I remember, like I said, I was fortunate enough to see him playing in uh, in Tampa. And I, I want to say at one point he did dislodge one of the panes of glass from a hit. He hit a guy so hard in one of the corners. So it was a lot of fun watching him play in Tampa. I know he wasn't there for terribly long, but I, I was a huge Artukin fan when he was down there because he's one of those guys. He didn't fight all the time, but he wasn't that wasn't his role. He was he was definitely a checker. So it was it was a lot of fun watching him play, to say the least. Yeah, he definitely didn't know how to fight. No, but, yeah, although he did fight Chara, I think. I I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive he did. He didn't do that bad. No, like he could fight, but that wasn't his role. But man, could he hit. Yeah. He hit like a truck. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, and the two guys, so I'll ask you about the first one. And he was involved in like the one of the most infamous NHL fights of all time. And dude who had no defense was always just a punch in the face contest was PJ stock. How was it fighting PJ? Oh yeah. You know what? It was good. Um, he was, I got him at the end of his career. I think he played 10 more games after that, but I got him at the end of his career and, um, you know, he's a little bit smaller. I always did, better against the guys that were smaller so he's only 5 10 5 11 right and i did pretty good against him i don't think i i don't think he really threw a lot and i did pretty good against him so i was uh thankful for that i think it was like more of a line brawl and i got tangled up with pj and he dropped his gloves first and I was like, okay, game on. <laughs> Here we go. So, and I like fighting the smaller guys more than the, those big, huge guys. Right. Exactly. Um, well, one of the guys, and you fought him quite a few times and a little bit bigger than PJ was Reed Simpson. Oh man, that guy, that guy, he was the guy that hit me the hardest I've ever been hit. Like when I think about Reed Simpson, I my bell's still ringing. <laughs> like that guy could, like that guy could punch hard. Like I never really got tagged by a lot of the like the bigger guys, but that guy tagged me, and I was just like, I could still hear it right now. And I think it was with an uppercut too. But yeah, it was one of those things too. Like, I think he hit 
hit uh, one of our D-men, and I just stepped in and asked him to fight, and it was more like I was a mosquito for him. <laughs> I was <just laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Come on. Let's just do this. And he did it, and he hit me with one uppercut, and I was like, oh, boy, this is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> 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 yeah, Reed, Reed was tough. He's, I think he probably should have gotten a little bit more NHL time. Um, and so, you know, the following year, you actually ended up back in the United Hockey League. And this time you're in my my hometown team I got to, that made me fall in love with hockey, and I got to grow up watching, and that's the Quad City Mallards. How'd you end up out oh, there yeah. in Quad City? It's beautiful, Quad City. I like that town. Oh yeah, well, um, it's flatter than piss on a saucer out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it was good down there. Like, um, I think I went through. I went through Colorado's camp, where I fought. I fought a young guy, Mark Durant. I fought. Um, oh man, an old NHLer too. Uh, Cummins. Oh, there you in go. Training was, camp. How was that? Um, it was good. Like I was there. I was there to make the team as a fighter. I knew my role. And Jim Cummins was Jim Cummins was there. They signed Peter Rurell um, that year. So right away, I went went after uh, um, Cummins, and we had a good scrap. I threw him down and put his shoulder out. And at the end of the fight, his shoulder was out. So I was like, all right, there's one. <laughs> He's out for the exhibition season. So then Peter Rell shows up and um, his knee was sore. Or he did something. I think he was in a car accident, wasn't he? That year, like drunk driving or. Oh, shit. I don't know. Or something in Florida. That's why they traded him. Anyway, his knees sore, so he did like two days of camp, and then we were supposed to play them the next day. Like our team was against. There was three teams. One team practiced on different ice. Two teams played. So we were playing uh, Peter Rell's team the next day, and no Rell. Well, where's Pete? Like I gotta fight this guy just to see. Like, I'm here just to do this. Right. So I want to make this team so bad. And no, no Peter Rell, no Peter Rell. I was like, okay. So I fight this young guy, uh, Mark Durant. And I was like so mad that Peter Rell wasn't there. So I could fight him. That I fight this other guy. And he was like a monster too. And... He tagged me with one, broke my nose, blacked both my eyes. I was like, oh, shit. And then I went out. Um, so we finished the fight. I go off, get my nose adjusted, go back. And now I'm at, now I'm following this guy around, this kid around. I'm like, we got to go again. We got to go. So I fight him again. And Adam Foote's just like, no, just leave him alone. <laughs> just leave him alone. You're fine. Like your face is a mess already. And I was like, no, I got to fight this guy again. So, yeah. So, 
yeah, so now I'm mad at Peter Burrell because he wasn't there. And after the after that game, he was like fine for the rest of the training camp. So I was just like, oh, come off it. <laughs> but after that, I was like sent down to Hershey. So I had to do another training camp with Hershey. And then they sent me down to Quad City. And then I got called up from Quad City for a few games. How'd you like it down there in Quad City? Um, you know, I know you said you liked the area, but, uh, you know, you had to carry Toporowski on the team. Did you get to meet Topper at all? Yeah, Matt Topper. Uh, Matt Topper. I think Topper was hurt, though, for the year. I think, so that, was, just I think hanging... that was his last season, I think. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think we, I don't think I played with Topper. Um, but I played against him in the dub. And what happened that year? I think, I think they won a, didn't they win a cup like a couple years before that? Probably. I know they beat, I think it was uh Chikutami they beat and they, I, they beat him for the cup and they absolutely beat the fucking wheels off of him too. And like a line brawl when that was where, uh, Toporowski took took one of the guy's chains and threw it to the bench and was just throwing the guy was already down and toppers <laughs> over there just fucking throwing elbows at him. Um, and even like Bob McKenzie, like you could hear Bob McKenzie as he's like announcing, he's like, well, excuse me for sounding like a bleeding heart, but this is just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and it just pans the camera over to Toporowski. And at first Topper was even involved in it. And they were even saying it in the, uh, the broadcast, like, well, there's the first guy you'd think would be involved in. Toprowski's not even in the fight. And then some some guy from Chikudami comes over and pokes the bear and uh, gets the doors beat off of him by Topper. And then, like I said, he starts throwing elbows at him. And then once he's done with the elbows, he rips the guy's chain off and throws it over into the Spokane bench. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, that was, old, that was Toprowski. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was something. He you was know something what, to and- see. And he, he's the nicest guy off the ice. Well, it's funny. He's you like a fin- a, he's a financial advisor now out there, I think. Yeah. You put him on skates, he's just an animal. I think most of us are. Like, uh, when I came back and played, like, uh, beer league, men's league hockey out here, people hated me because I was so intense. Like, that's how it is. You get on the ice and there's no friends out there one of those things. And I think that's how Topper was. Topper was the nicest guy off the ice. And I think that once you put skates on him, oh, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, one of my favorite stories was on, um, I think it was, I think it was the Steve Adams interview on, on fourth line voice, but basically like went up to like, say like, Oh yeah, Topper, I, I enjoy what you do or whatever. And Topper Oscar was like, Oh yeah, well you hungry. And apparently, I guess before Steve Adams could even say anything, Top Rouse, he just spears him right in the fucking mouth. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god! Like it's just like shit like that. Like I, if that happened today, I think he people would, and people think Tom Wilson's a a goon. Oh my god! They'd want oh, Top Rouse in prison. Oh yeah, big time. Any anyone? Yeah, really? that's anyone back in the day. Yeah, you look yeah. at it now. No, no, it's crazy. I don't. Yeah. I don't really, I don't agree with the way that that, the way that the NHL is going. You can see it. 
especially in the or uh, in the playoffs, like there's a lot of shit that's happening out there that could be easily negated by a couple tough guys on the bench, just waiting, just to go out and just talk to the guy. Like, you don't have to fight the guy. You're just gonna be like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick you, or I'm gonna run your goalie, or I'm going to you know, spear your goal scorer. But one of those, like, there's a lot of uh, policing that the that the players can do nowadays that they're not allowed to anymore. Right. And I don't, I don't really understand it myself. No, and there's even I one. Of, I think one of the stupidest ones to me. And I know I, I got a few questions. Or I had some people asking like, why why didn't they drop the gloves or whatever at this time of the game? And I, it's either the last five or ten minutes of the third period. If you drop the gloves, it's like an automatic. Um, I think it's like a one-game suspension or something. It's something ridiculous like that. Um, so even then, it's like, well, what the fuck are we doing? So if somebody runs my goalie, you just I just have to sit here and just let it happen. And I can't drop the gloves <laughs> because it's an automatic one-game suspension. But no, it's okay. That guy that just ran my goalie probably isn't going to get suspended. But it's it's okay then. So uh, the yeah. NHL, it's 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 handcuffed its own self. It's it's fucking it's ridiculous now. Um, yeah, and they're putting the onus on the, the referees and you're just like, well, the referees can only call what's in the rule book. But now you have guys that are like high sticking guys and cross checking them in the throat and like that would never happen back in the day. No, not at all. Well, I mean, and then it could happen back in the day, but you're going to pay for it, and that's the thing. It's, oh, big time. Because people like to point that out. Well, this happened back in the 80s, and says, okay, well, did you see, you know, three minutes later what happened to the guy who did that? <laughs> it's just a little yeah, bit different. exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. you could do it, but you're going you're gonna to play fuck around for it, so <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. Um, yeah. So I'll ask you about a couple PIM leaders from that that season. Uh, this is where I, I, t- I was actually smart enough to do a little bit more of a deeper research here because, of course, I couldn't find your fight card for the Quad City Mallards, unfortunately. But I do have the help of my buddy out in Iowa. And I'll ask you about a couple PIM leaders, and he became your teammate down the line. But Jason Willis – or excuse me, not Jason. Tyler Willis um, was one of the PIM leaders that year. Did you ever happen to fight him? I think he was still – I think he was in um, – what was he with Kalamazoo at the time? So sorry, he wasn't one of your Kalamazoo. Teammates. Yeah, he wasn't one of your teammates. My apologies. I don't know why. My mind went to Rockford, and I'm just, I'm thinking of the old Jason Ralph, um, mic'd up in the UHL Rockford, which we'll yeah. get to that. That's where that came from. <laughs> but um, did you ever fight Tyler Willis by any chance, or have any run-ins with him? Oh, we've had lots of run-ins. <laughs> but oh, I bet. Yeah, he's 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 got a mouth on him for sure. But that was his. That was his game, and um, kudos to him. Like he used to get me riled up pretty good. So, but he would never. I don't think he would ever fight me. So I don't know. He was. I'm sure he's a great guy off the ice, but on the ice, like I actually want to stab him with my stick in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you? So seen, have that you means seen he did video? a good job. 
Have you seen that video of uh, the old mic'd up in the UHL where it, it's pretty much just Jason and Ralph mic'd up? It's from the the Rockford Ice Hogs, uh, the Road Hogs. Yeah, documentary. I've seen that. Yeah. Oh my God, he just wants to kill Willis the entire time. It's like oh. one of the best like mic'd up hockey like videos of all time for sure. Everybody, everybody hears like this, you know. Oh, it's savage now of what they say on the fucking ice today in the NHL. Oh. <laughs> just one game in the old U-Haul was like fucking makes the NHL look like daycare. And just Ralph, yeah. just fucking Willie's gonna get it the entire time. It's just going at it. It's fucking. Hilarious. I think that you know what Willie did a good job. He riled up the our whole team, and our whole team was just worried about Tyler Willis. <laughs> and I think that was our problem, like because we went pretty far in the playoffs with Rockford, and we lost to Kalamazoo, and I think he did a good job. Uh, Tyler Willis did a good job of just getting us off our game. And yeah. I, all I wanted to do was slash him in the balls. Like, seriously, <laughs> I didn't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Fucking Willie. Um, I, so I, I was told by my buddy that you had a good fight with this guy and I had him. I actually, I'm glad he said it because I had him down as one of the PIM leaders, and so I was going to ask you about him, but it was Dave Ambler. He says you fought him. Uh, do you remember that fight at all? Yeah, he was in uh, Muskegon. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I think we were both the same size. And, yeah, we went pretty good. Like, we had a good scrap. Um, I wish I had the video of it. Yeah, his his quote on it was he said he said he had a damn good scrap with David Ambler, tough dude from Muskegon. Uh, he said he remembered that one, and he said you also apparently beat the piss out of David Huckalo. <laughs> oh, he's a goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> that means something happened. That means something happened, and no one would want to fight me on the uh, Huckalo was Kalamazoo. I think so. Yeah. I think I was trying to get Willis to try and fight me. <laughs> so I went after somebody that wasn't in my league. So it happened. That was one of those things. Like, if you go after one of our guys and you're not going to stand up for yourself, then I'm going to go after one of your guys. Yeah, for sure. And of course, you know, Willis, he ain't going to drop him. So you got to, <laughs> you got to make something happen. Yeah. Um, Another PIM leader. Well, I'll ask you about the two. I, I got two more here from that season. Uh, did you? And this dude's an absolute legend in the United League. Uh, did you ever happen to have any run-ins with uh, Jim Duhart? Jimmy Duhart. No, you know what? I think I think I became friends with him through you, through your podcast uh, page. And you know what? The guy was a beauty. Like he was a goal scorer, and he didn't put up with any shit he had the best hockey hair in the <laughs> league any league like he had the mullet going and um i didn't fight him i think there because he was in flint when i was there so there was a lot of uh i'm trying to think of who was there there was a lot of meat on that flint team too Quite a bit. Um, let me see. I, I can get you a look up on that. Um, yeah, I, I think you're going to see. Because Robbie Nichols was the coach, I think. 
let me see here. That would have been three oh four. So we had, yeah, Robbie Nichols was the coach. And you had Jim Duhart fucking wheeling and dealing 95 points in 135 penalty minutes. Um, oh, yeah, there's a big name. Pa- I forgot about him. Pascal Morenci. Yeah. Uh, who else did they have? Oh, I, wow. I didn't know Mario. I forgot Mario Jolie played for them. Um, oh, yeah. That was a big Beckley. name. Yep. Yeah, big dude. Oh, they had Jason Payne. He wasn't there for long. Yeah, they had a couple of guys, like the Quebec League. Well, speaking of the Quebec League, actually, while we're on it, did you ever get calls from the Quebec League asking to go play out in the LNH? I had a couple, and it didn't really turn turn my crank. Like, do you want to come up and fight in the Quebec League? And I was just, oh, not really. <laughs> like, there's some big boys there. Yeah. But I was, I would, like, I don't know. I keep saying, like, oh, I could play the game. That was that was my issue. I was just like, well, I just want to go up and play hockey and keep guys honest. But in the in the Quebec League, like you go out, you start the game with five fights with all the meat, <laughs> and you get on with the game basically. And I I didn't want to be the one that started the game, like one of those guys. Right. And I think that's what they were looking at was they were looking at my pims and I was just like, well, yeah, no, I'm not really into that. Like I could come up and play the game and if shit happens, then we could make it happen. Right. But I'm just not there to, sorry. I'm not a boxer. I'm not <laughs> a punch in the face contest guy. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Like one of those guys. And I was just like, oh. Well, fuck, it's funny because, you know, speaking of Jim Duhart, he went up there and then I think he uh, thought better. I think he was up there with, oh, man, off the top of my head, I think it was Tetford and was kind of like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> and then went back. To I always game. wanted to go to a game just to check it out, just to just to see. And I know they have a lot of fun up there. Yeah, and the le- I know the league now is kind of a shadow of itself. And um, if anybody listening is listening to the podcast for a while, I- I'm a huge fan of the league just because it's just so different. And I totally get yeah. that the league isn't for everybody. Um, but I always like all the minor leagues anyway. I always gravitate towards minor, you know, the minor pro circuit, whether it's, you know, United League, AHL, or the uh, the old Western Pro League or something like that. But yeah, yeah the old LNH, I wish I could have caught a game you know, circa 2005 or whatever, when it was kind of in its prime, that was in its peak. Um, yeah, now it's, totally. it's like, it's something completely different. Uh, it still has the fights yeah. and whatever, but it's just not the same. Um, another name I'll, I'll ask you about just from that season, who was a PIM leader. And just to see if you maybe had any run-ins with him was Jason Lawmaster. Uh, I, I fought him once he was in Muskegon. Yep. And I fought him once. I think he was a D man. He was pretty good D man too. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like the tough, tough guy, but he could, he could throw him pretty good. And we had a good run in. I thought we had a good, pretty good scrap there. And he was, he, he played the game and he was like me. He was like, if shit had to be dealt with, it was dealt with he was the first guy that's going to step up and and uh put his put his gloves down and let's go so 
hats off to him, but I think we had a pretty good scrap and I, I forget what he did. He did something pretty nice. Na- I think he stuck someone, one of our guys <laughs> that I had to stick up for. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was awesome. He was a good guy. Yeah. I remember he, he I think he played quite a few seasons in the U-Haul. Um, and well, the next year you actually ended up in the East Coast with the Victoria Salmon Kings. Now this is oh four oh five. So was that kind of because the um, the whole lockout and guys coming down to play in the UHL a little bit? Is that how you ended up in the East Coast for just that one season? Uh, no, I wanted to try it out. Um, and Victoria is two and a half hours from my hometown, so right. like all my family could come down and watch me every game. And, um, we had a coach that was just not a coach. Brian Maxwell was the coach there. He came from Lethbridge and he just thought it was like a junior team. He was trying to intimidate all the older guys, no. like the men. And I was just like, uh, who is he trying to intimidate here? <laughs> right. So it was a lockout season. So we had Dale Purington. Yep. Uh, Mark Smith. Uh, who else did we have? Um, Brumby, the goalie that. No, uh, no, no. The guy from New York. He didn't have a glove because he couldn't turn his shoulder or something. What was his name? He was from the Rangers, but he got a skate in his shoulder and he couldn't turn his hand. So he actually played with two blockers. No shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, was it Dan uh, Blackburn? Yeah. I never knew that. I never knew he played with two blockers. That's got to be different. (laughs) He had two blockers and then he had one. um, His... Basically, his catching hand, he couldn't turn his uh, shoulder or his whatever. I think it's his shoulder. So his blocker on his catching hand actually had a catcher's mitt inside. (laughs) So he could block it down and then cover it up. Huh. I've never heard of that before a day in my fucking life. It was, it. yeah, it was the weirdest thing. Going out against a goalie with two blockers? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> I, and he made it work. I got to see if there's like some pictures of that because that sounds wild. <laughs> I mean, if he made it work too, fuck, good for him. Yeah. And we had a good team too that year, but our coaching staff was a freaking mess. Well, how you mentioned him earlier. Well, how was Dale Purinton? Oh, man. That guy was awesome. Like, all he wanted to do was hurt people. <laughs> yeah. And we still talk to this day. Like, we still text each other and stuff like that. And all he wants to do is just, all he wanted to do was hurt people. He wanted to eye gouge and make people, like, feel pain. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, oh, my God, you are awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, there's footage out there. I think he fucking eye gouged Colt Nor in a fight when uh, Colt Nor was with. Uh, oh man, was it? Pro- it was either Providence or when he got called up to the Bruins. One of the two, but that's out there. <laughs> yeah, Purinton, and I, I've talked about this before um, with Darren, 
and it's almost like like Pearson is one of those guys. He would have been like tailor made for like the eighties, like eighties style hockey, where it was almost like oh, a yeah, wild totally. west where you could really like get away with fucking murder. Um, yeah. he'd have fit right in with like Dave Brown and shit like that, but he was in the era where it was starting to clean up just a little bit, I think. So, um, unfortunate yeah. for Purinton, but, but yeah, he was a fucking mean dude. Um, another guy. You oh, had he was, was a, he okay. was a mean dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another guy you had on that team and he was also in the UHL a little bit was a uh, blue Benefield. Oh, you're my boy, Blue. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he was, I, th- I played with him down in Rockford, didn't I? Uh, this has you listed, he, it's, I don't know if he was in. Just Victoria. Victoria, I so. and then. He yeah, was it would have awesome, been, like, yeah, it would have been just Victoria. I'm looking at his, um, because then the following year he went to Adirondack. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I know. He was, he was a big dude and he didn't, he was a punch in the face contest guy. Yeah. He didn't care if he got punched, he was ready to kill someone. And the harder you punched him, the more he got mad, which was kind of scary. Yeah. (laughs) When you see a, when you see a six, five guy coming at you. (laughs) Just laughing too the whole time through the whole fight. Oh yeah, he's got some good ones online. I know, I know he's got a really good one if I remember correctly uh, with John Morasti, and I think it's in Danbury. Um, he was with Adirondack. It was that next year, and John is out there in Danbury, and they had a pretty good one. Um, Blue Benefield, yeah, big tough motherfucker. Um, oh yeah. So you know, you ended up in Rockford. And this team was a lot of fun, and we got to it a little bit here. But you had Bruce Watson, Jason Ralph, Robin Big Snake, Chaz Johnson, and Billy Tibbetts of all people. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> that was a. You know what? That was a. That was a great year, and I can't believe that we didn't win it because we, uh, um, we had uh, Martinson as a coach. Yep. And Martinson wouldn't come out in practice till about halfway through practice. Like we ran our own practice and we would play games and we would be up three or four and we're goofing around on the bench, like through the whole year, like we had a good record. And if we got down by two or three, all of us, we had a, like a veteran kind of group. It would be like, okay, well, let's get serious. And then the goal scorers went out and scored like four or five goals and we'd win the game. And we got into uh, playoffs. I think we picked up Billy Tibbetts near the end, near the end of the year. And he was like a cancer to the team. Like it was a Billy Tibbetts show. Yeah. And he would just jump on the ice whenever you want him. And I was like, Billy, get off the fucking ice, dude. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to go. And he's just like, no, I'm going to go out and score a goal. And he wouldn't go score a goal. And that's how I think that we lost to Kalamazoo and kind of ruined our chances of winning a cup was because Billy Tibbetts. I was just like, dude, 
just do what the coach wants you to do. And he thought he knew everything. He played in the show, played with Pittsburgh and whatever. And I was just get off the ice, dude. Like, let's try and win a cup here. Yeah, well, uh, old Billy Tibbetts, there's quite a few stories about him. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that anyway. And I'm sure people, there's a, you could probably do an entire three part episode on Billy Tibbetts. But, um, yeah. Before we get into kind of the, some of the PIM leaders I'll ask you about, how was it being coached by Steve Martinson, legendary coach in the old U Hall? I mean, just legendary coach in general. Yeah, in general. Yeah. No, he was awesome. Like, he, he knew how to form a team that was going to win. And it was unbelievable to, you know, kind of learn from that experience. I was a little bit older. So just to learn from that experience on how, if you put the right people in the right place, then you're going to be successful. And I think that was the biggest thing that I learned from him is he didn't have to be out there for practice. He had the captains and assistant captains to run practice. He came out and gave us our technical lessons that we needed, how we're going to approach a power player penalty kill. But that was about it. Like he had everyone, everyone going in the same direction. And he was very intimidating but he was also sympathetic for different things. Right. And he was an unbelievable coach. He is an unbelievable coach and he should, you know what? I, I would think that he would be like up there with one of the best coaches. I, I can't believe he hasn't moved up to the American league, even into the NHL. But yeah, it's crazy. He's still, he's to... still coaching in the, he's still in the East coast league. He's I, that's the highest tier he's been actually. Well, besides yeah. you know the UHL, um, I'm looking at it now. And, I mean, fuck, you just look at his um, his stats. One champion, like how many championships does he have? He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten championships. It's like how the fuck is he not up? <laughs> so I don't know if it's um, a pol- like political thing or whatever. Who knows? It's there's so much shit that goes on behind closed doors. Um, yeah, exactly. that people don't realize with with hockey and getting get, even for coaches to get called up, shit can go down. Or shit, excuse me, shit can go down. So, um, who knows? Yeah, Hopefully, we'll see him. Um, well, fuck. Maybe if they, I'd have to see if because he he's still with the Americans out in the East Coast League. Maybe he'll come down to uh, the Everblades game or some shit if they play the Americans at home. I can get some pictures of Steve Martin. So that'd be crazy. Holy shit! I didn't, didn't even think about that until just now. I haven't seen him coach oh, in yeah. years because I mean that would have been the last time I saw him coach was have been right around that time you were in Rockford or maybe maybe even like oh seven ish. Oh yeah, so that's, and that's he was funny. tough back in his day when he played. Yeah, yeah, he, he certainly was. He's got some pretty good videos out there. Oh, for sure. I'm trying to. I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was the, it was the Red Wings and the Canadians as we got called up to. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Um, and he's got plenty of stuff from like the IHL and shit like that, but yeah, yeah. So that I mean, that's cool that you got to at least be under Steve Martinson, one of the legendary coaches, and he's in also that um, 
what is it the Roadhogs uh, documentary that's a lot of fun to watch too. Um, <laughs> and of course, that's where the the whole fucking Willie thing comes from. But <laughs> some yeah. of the fucking Willie, yep. Some of the oh yeah, I'm gonna run that cunt. Just <laughs> just kills me. Just fucking kills me. Um, I you know I would love to get Jason Ralph on if somehow you have contact with him for the love of God let let me get Ralph on because I just want to ask him about that fucking clip he doesn't even have to come on for that long I just need like a forty five minute interview with him <laughs> oh yeah um so a couple pim leaders from that year and uh, another guy I've, I kind of got to know a little bit more about him through uh, you know Facebook and him interacting in the um, Enforcer Appreciation Group is. Uh, Lance Galabrath, do you remember running into him at all? I did, yeah. Uh, he was in Idaho, I want to say. But he was another Tyler Willis guy. <laughs> Just run his mouth, run his mouth, and nothing. Wouldn't back it up and nothing. And, yeah, I think, I forget where we were. We were playing an exhibition game, and it was my first game with Victoria. I forget where we were. We were playing somewhere, I think maybe in Idaho, and then we are coming back to the Vancouver Island, and it would have been my second game, and I have all my family, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone ready to go. And oh, we played. Sorry, we played in Abbotsford that game the the night before. And I gotcha. chased this guy around, and because he was a Tyler Willis guy, would just run his mouth, run his mouth, would never ever drop his gloves. And I finally had enough and dropped my gloves, jumped them. But it was in the last five minutes of the game. Stupid rule. So I get suspended for a game. So now I have all these people coming to my first game on the Vancouver Island that are coming to see me, and I'm suspended. I'm sitting in the stands with them. They're just like, oh, wow. (laughs) Jeez, thanks. Thanks for wasting my time sort of thing. And I was just like, oh, head down. Right. Felt bad. And now I want to kill this guy the rest of the year and he wouldn't do nothing just like Willie just run his mouth. And I hate those guys. Like just stand up for yourself and everything's good. But that's the way, that's the way that the hockey world's going right now. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, fuck, I think it's really only gotten worse because now you can't even, if you jump somebody, I mean, hell, even what, like, Tom Wilson did to the guy on the, who, oh, fuck, who was it, Panarin or whatever on the Rangers, and everybody was up in arms over it. Luckily, the league didn't suspend him, but even, fuck it, oh, Pierre Maguire was just shitting all over the league and the following game where they had the line, oh, I mean, line brawl off the draw, but it was the three fights were pretty fucking subpar for what you're expecting. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's Pierre. the worst part is the media. The media is the worst part. Oh, yeah. like Pierre Maguire. Come oh, on, get back there. in that. Yeah, well, he's just sitting there shitting on it. And he's like, well, 
you think if Tom Wilson, if the league suspends Tom Wilson for a game, do you think this happens? And like, really? Well, I mean, if, <laughs> if you know anything, there would just wait until Tom Wilson's back in the lineup and just wait till next year when they play him again. What's, what do you think happened with like McCarty and Lemieux? You just waited till Lemieux was back in the lineup and that's when all the fucking shit went down. So yeah, it's, exactly. I, and then, oh, and then, oh, well, do you think we'll ever get back to playing hockey? Like, oh, God, it's one game out of the year where there's six fights in it, Pierre. Let's calm the fuck down here. He's just, yeah, treating, it like totally. it's the, he's just treating it like it's the Quebec League. It's like, okay. Oh, I know. Just pathetic. Um, oh, it is. It yeah, is. the media is a little bit uh, overjealous there sometimes. Oh, yeah, it's for sure. Um well, a guy I got to ask you about, and I, I get, I've heard very mixed reviews on him, um, but Robin Big Snake, he was your teammate out there on Rockford. Uh, how was Robin Big Snake? You know what? He's a beauty. Like, if you actually get to know him and stuff like that, he's awesome. Like, very gentle guy off the ice, but he doesn't. He was one of those guys that would stick you in the face if he if he had to yeah or if he wanted to on the ice depending on where he was and frame of mind he was he'd stick you in the face no problem me and him are good friends and my wife and his wife are really good friends and i played with him again down in rio grande yep in the central league and and he was a tough son of a gun like he was tough. Yeah. And he fought a lot of big boys and he would get pounded in the head and he just didn't care. And I was just like, holy, how did you survive this one? Because you got punched <laughs> in the head 15 times hard and he's just like, eh, whatever. For the boys. <laughs> yeah. The, Robin Big Snake's got some great fights out there. Um, people can yeah. look those up. Um, I well, I got to ask you about this fight, and people can see this one on YouTube, and uh, you pretty much beat the fucking doors off of them, but how did it all happen? Was that, that fight with Vasut that you had at center ice? Oh, that was my first game in Rockford. I think I got picked up off the plane. Like Steve Martinson, I know him because he signed me in San Diego. And that's when I went up to Hershey and actually made Hershey. So I missed out on San Diego's championship run that year. Not missed out, but I was in the American League. Right. And so me and Steve go back a few years. And he saw that I wasn't playing. And he called me and he said, well, why don't you jump on a plane and come and play with us? We we have a good championship champ like chance. I was like, perfect. I'm in. So I think that night I got picked up from the airport at one o'clock. So I get into the room just in time for game time, put my gear on. Haven't skated in four or five days and go out and just play the game. And I was like, well, I got to get the boys to like me here. So I'm going to fight this guy. I'm like, who's the toughest guy out there? Oh, Vasut. I was like, perfect. So I go and ask Vasut. I was like, oh, you want to go? He's like, yeah. So I was just like center ice. And he's just like, yeah, for sure. 
So we go out there and we have a, the scrap that's on YouTube and he's bleeding. So my first game, I break my hand in that fight. So now I'm done for for six weeks or whatever it is. So I was just like, oh man, sorry, Marty, like Steve Martinson, sorry, Marty, I broke my hand. And he's just like, oh, you'll be fine. I was like, perfect. So they actually molded a glove just so I could wear my like cast with my hand with, so I could still play. So right. I could still play and did all right. And then as soon as it was off, I started fighting again. I was like, all right, this is awesome. So he, at least he got, he kept me playing as I was hurt. So before we leave the, uh, the United League and go over to the Central League with Rio Grande, I got to ask, did you ever have any, uh, any games against the Danbury Trashers? Um, you know what? I had a few games when I was in Binghamton, I want to say. Or no, I think I was in Quad City, and they were they were a tough team. Like there was a <laughs> lot of um, God. I wanted I'm trying to figure out what his name was that I fought there. Um, but yeah, I fought this guy, and in that rink, it's almost like they have the the stands over top of the rink. It was the weirdest thing. Like usually the rink goes away from like the arena, sorry, goes away from the arena, like the right. stands. These ones were like almost over top. So people were like yelling at you. You could hear everything that everyone was saying. And they just didn't like us there. Like <laughs> they didn't like anyone there. And they loved how tough their team was. And I fought this guy, and man, I wish I'd know his name. I'm sure. Was, it, he the, did was some... it the first year that Danbury was there? Uh, it must have been. So, I mean, oh man, the list goes on for that. Um, you got like John Morasti, Bia Lois. Um, they had Stephen Pete for a second, Roman Nadir, uh, Brad Wingfeld. Um, they had, I think they had Duhart that year. Oh, it was a big, it was a big D man. Uh, Diamond was his last name Page or something. That could be. Let me, I can probably figure it out for us. Um, because he did some fancy like dance, uh, WWE dance thing, you know, Diamond Dallas Page. Where he did the diamond thing on or... par for for Danbury. <laughs> yeah, so he did this fancy move and like he didn't even like do any good against me. I was just like, what the? But as soon as he did this little fancy dance move, the crowd went ballistic, and they're over top of us. And I was, oh god. Oh, they had McIsaac there. I remember. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's him. Oh, it was McIsaac. He just got the head. He just yeah. got the head coach gig for the fucking whatever Danbury. So the Danbury Hattricks. It's in the Federal League now. But uh, yeah, so it was McIsaac. So how did that go? Dave McIsaac. <laughs> McIsaac. Yep. 
Yeah, he was, he was a big guy. I did uh, pretty good against him, but after the fight, he thought he won the fight, and I was just like, uh, what are you doing? Why would you <laughs> dance around? And then all of a sudden, the crowd's going bananas, and they're throwing shit on us, and I was oh, no. Okay, <laughs> you can have this one. <laughs> Wait yeah. till we get back home. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember when I when I was talking to Watson about it, he's like, I fucking hated playing in Danbury. He's like, you just get, like, cups of fucking chew thrown at you and shit like that. I'm just like, oh. Oh, it's ridiculous. Like, beer, <laughs> oh, yeah. beer dumped on you. Because they, like, I swear to God, it was like, they were, like, over top of you, and they're pouring beer on you while you're sitting on the bench. And we're just like, what is going on? Where's the, <laughs> where's security? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I actually interviewed the GM, um, AJ Galante, and that was a lot of fun. So you could hear all about, like, the, the chronicles of the Trashers, and they just came out. Um, I don't know if you saw it, if, if I can't remember if I reposted it, but they're coming out with a documentary about that team on netflix and i think it's set to be released like august 31st or some shit oh um, really and it's gonna be all that would be a good too. one to see yeah well i'll give you a spoiler so i have a danbury trashers tattoo and it's gonna be featured it's supposed to be featured in the documentary if it made the final cut or not i don't know but when i first got it i think aj galante the gm had, had seen it and then the producer of the thing happened to see it and i me and my wife had to have like a photo shoot of my leg and i was like well i gotta wait like two days because this thing's got fucking blood all over it still so give me like two days and so we have like a, a photo shoot of my leg so we'll see if it made the final cut but it's supposed to be in there so who knows if it is or not but either way i think that's gonna be a fucking awesome documentary oh man that's ridiculous yeah um, yeah those, those fans were like ruthless up there oh yeah my favorite is they had a was it section 102 i think and it was like Apparently, if you went on the website to buy tickets, it was like a big warning that this is like not family oriented, like section. Like if you're looking for like a like a family friendly environment, do not sit in this section or no, it was really? just a bunch of rowdy fucking assholes. <laughs> oh yes, it's God. great. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So I'm sure that'll be in the documentary, too. But do you ever do you remember hearing like Hell's Horn that was in there where it was like this fucking just this loud horn? It was a fan that would bring it. I thought oh, it was yeah. something that the crowd or that the uh the team had it was a fan that brought in like this horn off of a fire engine and just that was the horn it. yeah no way yeah, i thought no. it was actually the arena that did that no it was a fan apparently like it is i think is what they called him like big mike and he's just a dude lugging this fucking thing around and he's blasting it in the stands <laughs> oh my god that thing was so loud <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they said they called it fucking uh hell's horn is what they used to call no. it. No, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah, I think I have the I have the little clip of it. I can send it to you because um, I clipped it and I tried to upload it to YouTube and I got flagged that it was like I, I, I blatantly put on the video that this isn't like a kid friendly video or whatever because, you know, I got cursing. Yeah. It's about hockey, but it takes it yeah. down anyway. So I got to try to like rename it. I tried to upload it to YouTube, but yeah, I talk about it with um, AJ and it's just it's fucking loud. It's insane. But yeah, oh old, my God. Old I thought right. that was the arena. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and they would play that every time you fought. It would be like, <laughs> rah, rah. yeah. It's and I remember when I first like pieced together the video because there's videos of it, like small clips of it on YouTube during certain fights. So I had to really piece it together. 
And I remember I had my headphones on. I about scared the shit out of myself playing the video because it was so fucking loud. I had no clue how loud it was going to be. So and that like before, like as I'm like editing that video, I have to put in like volume warning before like you get like five seconds to turn your fucking computer down or else it's going to blow your speakers. It's insane. Oh <laughs> that was ridiculous. Old Danbury. Um, but you ended up the next year in uh, Rio Grande with the with the killer bees. How was it out there? Oh, it was paradise. Southern Texas, you're half an hour away from South Padre Island. Like you couldn't you couldn't pick a better place. And like the Mexicans down there, like you're a minority down there. If you go down there and you're white, you're a minority. Like it's a border city. And the Mexicans were unbelievable. Like the fans, they'd be like, Oh, why don't you come over for um, for dinner? And it was like your house this weekend. There was like 35 people there for dinner Holy and shit. they made the best food and it was amazing. And we actually had our daughter down there, our second daughter, and they were like phenomenal. Like there was gifts and it was like food brought to our house, everything. It was amazing. Like I would move there in a second. Yeah. If I had steady employment down there, it was an unbelievable place to play. Unbelievable, like, environment. It was awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, and during your time there, it looks like you were fucking killing it, man. You had, like, 53 uh, points and 167 penalty minutes, so you were fucking, you were getting it done down there. Oh, yeah. We had, we had a good, uh, we had a pretty good team there, so... It was awesome. Like, and there was some pretty tough guys in that league too. I think. I'm trying to think of who was down there. Let me see. I I know I have a couple of your fight cards here. Uh, for oh six oh seven, you fought uh, Craig McDonald, um, Jason Canyon, uh, Jeff Owaskow, Neil Clark. Any of those names ring a bell? Jeff Owaskow. Jeff Owaskow was a big D man and. Uh, somewhere but he was tough yeah he was a tough kid and <clears throat> who else did i fight down there i fought this young kid he was 19 he was coming up with um arizona he was a french guy and he asked me hey mr volterra because i guess i gained that respect <laughs> somehow hey mr voltaire you 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 fight me i said yeah sure no problem so we have a fight the game was like six two or something arizona i was like i just want out of this game i'm out of here right so i fought this kid and we're doing pretty good like toe to toe and then we get tangled up more wrestling and then all of a sudden he gives me a body shot in the kidneys so I put my head down like, oh, and then he gives me a uppercut and I was just like, whoa, and he hits me right in the butt and I was like, holy shit, what the <laughs> hell's going on here? So I kind of like tie him up and then we go off and I was just like, what the hell just happened? Like, why did this 19 year old like just kind of beat me? So I was kind of mad. 
mad about the game. So we go out to the bar that night. We're having a couple beers. At the same bar, the Arizona team comes in, a few of the boys. And this kid comes up. He's got a beer in his hand. He's like, here you go. Thanks for the fight. And I said, yeah, no problem. But I didn't get the memo about the body shots. I thought we were doing a punch in the face contest. Like, where's the body shots coming in? He's like, ah, good one, eh? And I was like, yeah, fucking right. So that was a good one. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Like, when do we start doing body shots? Yeah. Was it, was it so Kevin that was, the end. was that who that was? Yeah, Cormier. There we go. Okay. Yep. He was, a, yeah, there's some fucking footage of him out there, too. Yeah, he was just a young kid at the time. I think he was like 19, just got called up because Junior was done and he came up and I was just, where's the body shots from? <laughs> That's new. I didn't quite understand it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But at least he bought me a beer, I guess. Yeah, you got at least, what a swell guy he is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh shit! Um, one teammate I'll ask you about before we move on is uh, Dennis Maxwell. Oh yeah. What about him? Look, how how was he? <laughs> he played on a lot of teams for a reason. I'll just oh yeah. Leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'll I mean, leave it la- at that. He, he lasted three seasons on uh, the Killer Bees, at least. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Well, we we can uh we'll, we'll leave that stone uh we'll leave that stone turned. Um, yeah. No. If I if if I see him, we're gonna have a real fist fight. How about that? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> the last team we'll get to is the Flint Generals and the I. Well, this is the new IHL. Um, you know. So, how'd you like playing out there in Flint? Mm. Beautiful Flint. Was the water that was the water good there at the time? At least, at the time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? We had, that was. I'll be honest. It was my favorite, probably season, to be with the boys, to play on a team. Like we had to be so close knit, and we weren't very good. We had a lot of good talent, a lot of good players. But, man, we had a lot of, like, off-ice issues. I, I don't know how many times we went on strike just to get a paycheck. Right. And um, I don't know how many times we went on strike just to get, you know, our housing paid for. Like, it was, like, one of those years. Yeah. But we got closer as a team, and um, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun that year. We had a lot of young guys that were coming up, and we had a lot of older guys. We had Jeff Zare was there. Uh, Frank Littlejohn was there. Yeah, I was going to ask you about old Littlejohn. I had him on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was awesome. Uh, Dan McNeil was another big up-and-comer, tough guy. But we had a lot of fun that year, and – I don't know, like, I don't know what to say. Like, the owner screwed us around big time, never paid us on time. We used to go on strike just to get a paycheck 
we used to do it while we were going to Fort Wayne because we knew Fort Wayne was going to be sold out and we knew Fort Wayne was going to pay us our paychecks when we got off the bus. That's how bad it was in Flint. Holy shit. Yeah, I, I know that. Well, that second IHL, the IHL 2 or whatever the fuck they called it, I know a lot of teams were kind of, the, the league was kind of a shit show, and it's why it did, I, I don't even think the league lasted five years, I think. I could be wrong, yeah. but I know I know the league didn't last long. No. No, it was, that was the, that was my final year anyway. Like, me and my wife, we made a pact that when our oldest kid was going to go into school, that we would like retire basically right just so we didn't have that no offense but that army brat material oh yeah no you're good mentality where we're getting traded around and no that's tough she's tough like that yeah that's part of the reason that was out yeah so that was our kind of that was our exit so that was our last year and we you know what we had a great we had a great year we had a shitty like on ice, but off ice, we had a phenomenal year. Like we had a great team, uh, team bonding, I should say, and we had a lot of fun. Well, there you go. I mean, well, at least you ended it uh, ended it solid, and you know, got to be happy, even though you had to go on strike a couple times, unfortunately. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, unbelievable in that. Gotta love minor pro you, hockey. You only kind of hear about that in uh, in Europe where they go on strike, but it's been happening more and more now at that level, that double A level where there's like oh, they yeah. just didn't care about us. I think it was that same. I, I was like the last year of the UHL. Even the Mallards were having issues with new because I think new ownership happened, and I think that happened at one point um, during one of the seasons, one of the later seasons with the Mallards. They were having fucking issues and had to go on strike because yeah. ownership wasn't paying it's crazy i don't know how the fuck somebody could do that to a, you know their players well yeah and then you have like these kids that that are coming up like night like i think when i retired let's see my daughter's 16 so 11 years ago so i was like late mid 30s so you have these kids that are coming up 19 20 you know like low 20 year olds and they're eating like itchy band noodles or misu noodles <laughs> or whatever you guys have for pregame and my wife would be like yeah no that's not happening so we would always have like pregame meal over at our house for the young guys right i'm like you all you you have to eat for the game we got to try and win one at least <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean and the wives were good there and families. We had a lot of families there. We all kind of lived close together and it was awesome. Right on, man. Well, um, there you have it. The career of Rob Volterra. I appreciate you uh, taking the time and coming on the show. And uh, you know, I, again, I apologize on my end for taking so goddamn long. No, no problem. No, I'm just glad I could come out and kind of rekindle some of the stories that I had. And uh, I love the show, and I don't think I'll uh, ever miss another one for sure. <laughs> well, but yeah, I mean, sure you, like, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of good stories. I'm sorry I didn't have more like the 
more of the tough guy stuff, but oh no, you're good, man. A lot of the times it's, it's I've had episodes where I have like um I got a lot of great feedback on I think it was Brian Rasmussen who wasn't necessarily a tough guy, but just just the minor league stories. People love it because people just don't get to see that side of hockey. Like you're not going to hear about players going on strike <laughs> because they're not getting paid in the NHL. We'll tell you oh, that God. much. Or you're not going to hear yeah. about getting cups of beer thrown at you in fucking Danbury. <laughs> oh, Danbury. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, man, it was awesome. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on and telling some stories. I know people are going to enjoy it for sure. And um, me getting my feet wet in the interview world again. So I apologize if I was a shitty host. <laughs> no, not at all. I thought it was great. Oh, for sure. Um. Yeah, I think this will come out. Uh, I'll probably end up doing it on Thursday um, and cutting it and editing everything together. I was going to try to get it out tomorrow, um, but I think I, I got the look from the wife at one point. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's late over there, isn't it? 11? Yeah, it's about to be 11, which ain't too bad. I, I got insomnia anyway, so I, who knows? I might even fucking stay up. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> see how much trouble you're going to get into. Yeah, exactly. Oh, jeez. <laughs> But, um, no, I appreciate you coming on, man. And thank you again. Oh, anytime. For sure. Um, well, there you have it, folks. Rob Volterra. Rob, I will ask you one more question real quick before we go. And that's what I like to ask the guys, uh, you know, before ending the show. If you could do the enforcer slash fighting role all over again, would you do it? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, uh, it was a great experience. It was a great career. I got to meet a lot of fantastic people and there's a lot of people that one thing that the fans don't quite understand is I, I have a job to do. The other guy has a job to do, but if we meet in the bar, we'll have a beer together and the next game we're going to beat the shit out of each other because (laughs) that's, that's how it is. Right. So it's not it it's not staged it's it's actually for real like i'm trying to hurt the guy i don't care if you bought me two budweiser's but yeah i mean it's uh it's a for real game and uh you know what i was just happy to go as long as i could for sure well if he's buying you budweiser you should probably punch him three times harder um No, I can't say anything. I drink bush over here, so I get you know, I get chirped for drinking bush all the fucking time. But oh, really? It is. Oh, yeah. Just the, oh, you're drinking fucking piss water, and oh yeah, I get it nonstop, <laughs> nonstop. Oh god. <laughs> but all right, man, take it easy. I appreciate you coming on, and this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. Right on. Thanks a lot, Alex. Have a good so one. Right. Yeah, you as well. You got